Okay, so I've started recording. That's good nice. That's good nice. <laughs> That's good nice. That's good nice. Good nice. Okay. All right. That's very good nice. Cool. Let's start. Howdy, folks, and welcome back to Not Culture, the podcast about everything but culture. I'm your host, Godfreeman Captagao, joined by my co-host and Doom aficionado, Daniel Levi. How are you, Daniel? <laughs> really nothing i mean nothing exciting is happening sorry i just got distracted this is this like this rat that keeps running out looking at us and then running back in it's like it's scouting the area it's also the rat that's been stealing all my bread so i'm quite angry at this rat but enough about rat talk really nothing exciting has happened to you daniel oh well i guess if you want to get into like what i've been up to i guess uh i've recently been uh teaching myself how to write up uh comics like these past couple Oh, that's a mouse. Oh. A rat's like as big as your fist and it has a tail like an extension So the rat cord. just showed up again. We just saw it. It's Okay, it's a baby rat. That's not, okay, it could be a baby rat. Baby rat. Yeah. Is a baby rat a mouse? No. A mouse is the first evolved form of a rat. It then evolves into a rat. What, after level 18? Yeah. Okay. Then when they use hyperfang, you're fucked. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, we're just kind of really excited because... This week we're doing something a little bit different in terms of our recording setup. We've split our audio, so uh, Daniel's recording on a different mic and I'm recording on a different mic this week. We decided it's time to level up and kind of further the podcast and its quality. So I hope you guys can pick up the quality and I hope you guys like it. Just let us know what you think in the comments or you can give us feedback on my Twitter or Daniel's Instagram. Cool. My Instagram? Yeah, your Instagram. That's fine. You don't have a Twitter. Oh, I wonder why. Why are you looking at me? You're the one who gave up creating a Twitter account. Anyway. (laughs) All right, so we're just going to jump into some of our favorite headlines for this week. Starting with the one that we have the most, the most opinions about. Oh, yeah. The release and the criticism of Naughty Dog's The Last of Us Part 2. All right, gentlemen and ladies, we're just going to preface this by saying we've heard about the leaks and we know what happens in the game, but we have not played Neither the game. Neither of us have played the actual game. So due to the nature of where we are right now, we don't have access to playing the game right now or at least for a while, right? So we decided we just want to know what the game is about, but... We don't want to pass any judgment on it or give our opinions on it because I don't, I don't think that'd be fair. My co-host Daniel has something else to say about that, but I think it's best that we play the game first, obviously, and first and foremost, before we pass our judgment and give our opinions on it. Daniel, do you care to comment? Basically, everything that was mentioned in the leaks is pretty much confirmed to have happened i'm not going to say what the leaks are i'm not i'm not going to spoil any story elements but if you were aware of what happened in the leaks they're confirmed with certain things happening a lot sooner than a lot of us thought would happen that and that like that one issue has left a lot of people polarized including myself godfrey and i have agreed that he will be purchasing the game if we're if we're going to play it he's going to buy it and we'll play it because i personally don't want to spend money on it I'm willing to play it. I'm willing to pay, uh, play it, just not pay for it. I'm willing to give it a chance, but uh, the game's 25 hours long. And personally, I 
will definitely find it hard to finish, knowing what I know. Yeah, okay, and putting it into the context of where we are, a full-fledged 60 Kina, uh, 60 US dollar yeah. game, yeah, putting that into our currency, that's about, what, 200 plus Kina? But then you take into account the uh, how much people here, how much retailers here amp, yeah. the, amp up the price just to make profit. I mean, if we do a digital download, it should be... It should be a lot better, but yeah. someone doesn't want to have... Uh, how big is this game? 100 gig plus? It is? It's a 25 to 30 hour game. I would think so. I don't want a large game that I'm not going to play on my PS4. That's the thing. Well, if you're, if you're paying for it, I can make space for it. And yeah, sure. But that's what we think about it. Yeah. I sort of share Daniel's stance on it, where it does a lot of right dicey now, yeah, things. Right now, the, the most polarizing and divisive thing about the game is the story. What mm-hmm. happens within the story, but mm-hmm. gameplay-wise, there's been some criticism saying that it feels too much like the game is from 2013, which, I mean, like, I mean, it's a sequel. Of course it's going to play the same. There's not much There's not much they could change. I mean, if you change it any further, it's going to feel like a different game. And plus, from what I've seen in, like, gameplay, Ellie moves differently, and she can, like, like uh, sprawl on the floor and roll around, and mm-hmm. she's more agile. So I, I hope those... That game, the that type of gameplay improvement feels good enough to carry me through twenty five hours, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel it's a bit of an unfair judgment to say it feels like the twenty thirteen game. Then again, I haven't played it, and I haven't played the first one in a while, so true. true. I might have the same sentiment after playing it. And also, like, was there anything inherently bad about the combat systems in the first one? No, really. I thought it was. Pretty flawless. Competent third-person controls. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't understand why people would expect that much of a change in terms of the combat in a sequel. I mean, it felt like a, you know, the average standard modern third-person gameplay. That's what it felt like. That's what we're all used to. So I don't understand why they'd be feeling that. Ooh, one other criticism I've heard. There's not a lot of infected variants in the game. Hmm. That's one thing that a lot of people were saying. There's... There's a lot of human enemies. Like the enemies are a bit samey. That's what I've heard. There's not enough variety and new, new like new versions of the infected, mm-hmm. which I can sort of agree with. Like it's the second game. They they were saying they were gonna go bigger. So I also expected like new enemy, new infected enemy types. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like because for other enemies, like there's dogs now. The there's human and like different types of humans now. But yeah, I can agree that having less of a variety of infected enemy types can be a bit like detrimental for a game that's based in the zombie apocalypse that's true i mean i guess in that context you'd expect some sense of progression in terms of enemy variations and types in in a new game or in a sequel or at least in like a setting that takes place five years after the first one now you want to talk about a game that always does new enemy types in every single game they do resident evil (laughs) Oh, gosh, in every yeah, single Resident Evil, they add like tons of new enemy types. That's like gold standard Goodness. of how to evolve yeah. enemies. And <laughs> remember that fucking T Rex man that comes out of nowhere in seven. Where does he get that biomass from? He's like, my family abandoned me, and then he turns into a T Rex. That game was on drugs, and I love it so much. Okay, okay like I keep saying, we need to download it. We need to download <laughs> on it. PS4. Find it on the PS4 yeah, store. Yeah, it's there. It's there. Yeah, it's if you there. find it, or if I can get it on Goodness. the Switch, and then we can play. That'd, uh, that'd, be, that'd be super fun. 
All right, but that wraps up our thoughts on The Last of Us Part 2. And honestly, like I said as a preface to this, we don't want to give our opinions or our uh, in-depth thoughts on it because, guys, we haven't even played the game. All we've heard of is just the rumors, the leaks, and we've seen gameplay and stories from the game. We don't want to give too much. We think it's unfair to pass judgment on a game that we haven't even played. Yeah. Right, Daniel? Fine. Okay. Anyway, moving on to the next thing we're kind of really, really excited about. Um, happy, sad news, I would say. Cyberpunk 2077 got oh. delayed once again to oh, yeah. November 19th. I'm telling you, the, 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 the amount of time from the first time I watched that initial reveal trailer in, what, 2013... It just keeps on like expanding and expanding. <laughs> it's been what seven years, Ugh. but but when they announced the delay, they also came up with tons of more promotional material, more gameplay footage, new trailers. So I'm happy, you know. They know not, how to drip yeah, feed their hype train. Yeah. So I like that. I like that. They're doing a fantastic job. Nice. And speaking of drip feeding their hype train and releasing promo stuff, Daniel, you and I just sat through a bit of um, promotional material oh, for the game, right? We saw, we saw the second trailer that they released last uh, last night, was it? Or the night before? I think the night, yeah. yeah last, like, last couple days. Yeah, last couple days. Yeah, and we're excited. There's, so like, there's still no drop in hype oh, for this game. Man. So like the first gameplay trailer they ever released was like, oh, this is what you'll be doing in missions. Oh, you can kill people like this and this. But in this one, they basically showcased all the different perspectives your character can like experience. Because when the game starts, you sort of dictate where your character is from, like what like class and society they are, where they grew up. And then that dictates the rest of the game. I'm not I'm not completely sure about all the classes, but there's a class where you were either brought up in the Badlands outside of the city. There's a class where you were brought up in the city and you're a criminal, which is like, I think the canon, like that's how the main character has been like advertised as. And then there's like the corporation class where you're like a corpo working for the big companies. I'm very excited. Just that alone convinced me that they can take all the time they need. The game is going to be able to tell that kind of story that can go anywhere and you can experience it in a completely different way on your, on your second playthrough. I don't mind the delays. I just hope that it comes out before the release of the PS5. That's all I'm hoping for. I hope it doesn't reach a situation where they just like delay, delay, and then it just comes out on PS5. I'd, re I'd really hate that, but I, they probably won't do that because a lot of people own PS4s. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, they'll do... But, but, but most likely there will be a port, of course. But wait, did you read the thing about how whoever gets uh, Cyberpunk, they'll get a free upgrade to the next-gen consoles? I thought that was only for Xbox. Cyberpunk 2077 will get a free upgrade for next-gen consoles at launch. PS4 and Xbox One owners of the game will get a more robust update for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. CG, wait, CD Projekt Red has confirmed. The first Night City Wire stream clarifies that both consoles will get the upgrade. This comes from GamesRadar. Wait, what does the upgrade do? Ago. Is my PS4 gonna fly? <gasps> Your PS4 is not gonna fly. <laughs> it's gonna fly when it's oh playing The Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> apparently. Goodness. Okay, but that's good news. That's good news, I would say. Yeah. Right. Oh man, free upgrade. Damn. Free upgrade. I'm this, happy. This motherfucker's gonna go ver all night. Jesus. <laughs> I'm gonna fly to the moon and back. Fantastic. Goodness. So question, Daniel. Uh, obviously, we're both really, 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 really excited for Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, hell yes. And uh, just because the game, it feels like a breath of freedom 
in the in the in the, in the same way that kind of tabletop RPGs kind mm-hmm. of felt where you have a lot of freedom of where you want to yeah. go how this world is created and how it doesn't really it's not designed to point you in a like a set direction oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. so question did you ever play any of CD Projekt Red's previous games no I wasn't I'm so disappointed to. in you I had The Witcher 2 but then my Xbox 360 died and then I just oh. was never able to play it but from what I understand, they know their shit when it comes to RPGs. Fair enough, that's really true. But okay, so I played The Witcher Three, and I was convinced that is an amazing game, incredible, incredible. I played it for three years, still haven't finished it. I think I got past the first quest, but it's just chock full of so much content. One question. Yes. How would you compare Witcher quests to say something that a lot of other people have played, like Skyrim quests or Fallout Four quests? How would you compare them to Witcher quests? Well, Witcher 3 quests, they're so detailed and they're so minute. There's a question, question, there's a quest for anything. If you literally wander up to a random person, they can give you a quest. Like there was this chick, this old lady, sorry, not a chick, this old lady that I found and there was a quest to find her pot that she left somewhere. So I found it and I gave it back to her and I got some experience. I thought that was going to be like some dark turn. Like, no. What did you say, pop? Pot. Oh, pot. Oh, like oh, like yeah. a frying pan or something. Oh, yeah. Ah. It was kind of wholesome. I enjoyed it. But yeah, there's just a lot happening in this game. And to see them tackle something like this IP that what oh, yeah. that's been around, around, around for ages, right? There's just so much they can do with this game. And I am here for all of it. Like you said, Daniel... They can take as long as they need. They can keep delaying this game because I don't mind. As long as they keep that steady drip feed of promotional stuff, I'm happy and it's just fueling my hype train for when this game actually comes out because I swear. It's either like this is one of those games where I will I will buy a PS5 or a Series X just to play. Yeah. Yeah, the game that the game that caused me to uh, force me to buy a PS4 for last gen. It was the the Last of Us, the Last of Us remaster that was on PS4. So that was one of the titles that made me buy a PS4 just to play. And this is one of those games. This is one of those games that I've absolutely so much hype for. It looks amazing. It it sounds like it's going to be such a, an adventure, and I'm gonna be here for all of that. And plus, I've been like waiting what seven years. I was in grade eight. Grade eight. Nine. Great. Sorry. <laughs> okay. But yeah, ages ago, and I saw this cool trailer. Oh wow, there's a robot chick and some cool music and slow mo. Oh, it's cyberpunk. Oh, we're in a city and there's lights. And then we wait seven years for the first trailer. It's like these guys. Oh, guys, let's launch a trailer. Oh, let's work on The Witcher for the next decade. And then really, <laughs> but yeah, these guys. Let's just. Say, I've been waiting a long time for this. And also one uh, one big comparison that we've been hearing a lot from uh, game journalists who have played the game is that they're comparing it a lot to uh, Grand Theft Auto, which is completely fair because GTA is like the set standard of what an open world, like on this scale, is supposed to be like and feel like. But I feel like it's taking the concept of GTA V and just adding on more. And honestly, if you think about it, this just feels like GTA V in the future because it's based in a fictional LA in the future and you'll be able to leave the city and go to the badlands outside of the city. So I guess if you're familiar with GTA, it might feel like this as well. And also, it's adding on RPG elements, which I can say was sorely missed ever since San Andreas, because that was the only GTA game that had 
RPG elements. And I thought that they'd bring them back in the next couple GTA games, but they never really did. So I'm glad that there's a game that's coming out that feels like GTA and actually has those much-missed elements. Very true. I'd, I'd have to attest to that because I think that's one of the things that deterred me from playing GTA Five as much uh, compared to playing GTA San Andreas. Because basically what you said, San Andreas has those RPG elements that well, GTA Five didn't. So something like this is right up my alley. It's a, it's a really nice mix between open world, RPG. And then like one other thing I noticed is that it's not like one set style of aesthetic of cyberpunk. You'll see different versions of the future existing, like coexisting. Like these types of people will use this type of technology. The corpo, like corporation people will be using the most advanced vehicles that look like something out of Tron. Such a range of diversity in this game. They put so much attention to detail in different aspects of the city, different, what, different sects of the city too. What did they say, six? Six regions, regions districts, district. six districts, yeah. yeah. So as you guys can obviously tell, we are very, very hyped for this game. Also, the Badlands, hearing that the Badlands were a thing, I was like, oh, hell yes. Because you're not just going to be in the city. There's a whole section outside of the city. And finally, we got to have a bit of a look at that. And honestly, it feels like where Trevor Phillips lives in GTA V, which is one of my favorite places to visit. So I'm so happy to see like a different take on it, like the desert outside of the big civilized city. Ah, That's going to be interesting. And again, what they said, that was the seventh district, right? The Badlands outside the city. This is, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, I mean, they, they alluded to that. They said there are six different districts inside the city and then a Badlands outside that kind of act like a seventh. Yeah. And it feels that way. It's like a different area to explore and a different aesthetic applied to it as well. We also saw like a cyberpunk sheriff talking to your character. He's like, your character's in the in the vehicle and he's like, just like talking to you through like the window. And you, you can see he has like a robot hand. And I was like, oh man. I've seen so far of someone who loves fluid gameplay that feels fantastic. From what I've seen so far, this game plays and feels like doom so yeah I'm, I'm definitely on board any game where the combat feels amazing fast and maneuverable is like the best thing ever like i've been yeah if it feels like doom i'm definitely on board and yeah from what i've seen your character can zip around you're moving quickly there's slow-mo there's like a slow-mo ability you can activate through drugs i think so that's pretty fun Ooh, sounds very fallout yeah jet <laughs> yeah jet so yeah definitely i'm i'm very happy i'm ah it's just everything about this game so far looks really good and I'm very excited. Super stoked. Definitely. Definitely. Cannot wait for November 19th. And if they have to push it back, so be it. So be it. Oh shit, Whatever I just realized. Birthday game. Yeah, do it. Man. Oh hell yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now another thing that I'm excited about, I'm actually quite excited about ever since I saw the first trailer, even though it didn't really look like the, the uh, real thing. Marvel's and Square Enix's Avengers. Hey. What are your thoughts? We just saw another trailer for it. Definitely excited. I'm, I'm happy that it doesn't look like the movies because I'd hate to have something. You know that Avengers cartoon, the recent one that just looks like the MCU? No, I have, I'm not aware of this cartoon. Do you, do you remember Earth's Mightiest Heroes used to come yeah. on ABC? Yeah. I don't know. that the, uh, the, the, the most recent Avengers cartoon just looks like the MCU. So I'm happy that this game doesn't look like the MCU. I'm happy that this game has the balls to diverge from the massive multi-billion dollar critically yeah. acclaimed, I say with air quotes, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm happy that Square um, has that ability to kind of just take this on their own uh, reins and do what they want with the property. 
And I'm really interested to see where this story is going because it looks quite interesting. I'm happy that the characters look different and they, they play a lot differently than the ones we're used to, the ones that, I don't know, the world seems to be used to. And also, the biggest selling point for me for this game, it's got Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, an Inhuman, finally, that you can play as. That's what she is. You didn't know? You I forgot? I she was an Inhuman. I had no idea. I thought she was just like Mr. Fantastic and could like stretch. No, no. Her, her powers have like a different story to them. Oh. So it's not, it's not. I didn't know she was an inhuman. I was wondering what she was. Cause okay. In, in the Marvel universe, they have like people, they have mutants. They have mutants. They have inhumans. Gamma they have, they have aliens. Gamma they have gamma radiation. They have. God, don't even get us started on what the hell Cyclops is. And then when they try to explain that Logan isn't a mutant. Cyclops isn't a mutant? Apparently, his family is from another dimension. Oh, what, like Cable? Yeah, yeah. That, that's his father, yeah. Yeah. Cable's his father or his, like, descendant? Cable is Cyclops' son. Yeah, that's what I meant. I thought you said yeah. Cable is his father. No, Cable is Cyclops' Phrasing, is Daniel. Father. Phrasing. But I'm saying that, yeah, they're saying that they were never mutants. Oh, they were. I think it was the whole Fox. When Fox owned the rights to the characters, Ew. they had to change things in the story. Ew. Yeah. Why do they do that? Why do why do stu- oh, no. cinematic studios yeah. affect storylines from these characters that were created decades ago? And then they made like Saber and then apparently Sabretooth and Logan were never mutants in the first place. They were from like a separate species of human. Yeah, nah, that's. Yeah, we're diverging I, a lot. I don't know here. if it's canon, but anyway, yeah. I'm happy about this game. From from what I've seen so far from the Avengers Square Enix mm-hmm. game is that it looks and plays a lot like Spider-Man PS4, which I'm happy about. Right. Because right now I feel like that's how you should do superhero games, and I'm yeah. I'm glad that it looks like that. I mean, it's 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 a like a tested and true formula, yeah. and a testament to, oh, well, the what is it, the fighting system that Rocksteady made. Uh, yeah. Batman, yeah, yeah, and it plays really well. So I don't yeah. see why they would diverge from that. Oh, also, I'm gonna say it again. Kamala Khan. I'm just such a big fan of I her. I haven't... Is there gameplay? I, I, didn't, I didn't actually see There the is trailer. gameplay of her. She's I've beating the up other, these mechs. I've seen most of the other trailers, but I, I don't know. I haven't seen how she plays. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've seen... She plays... Yeah. Um, well, she plays like you would expect. Kind of um, Spidey to play. Mm-hmm. Except... I need to see it again, but she, she she's she's a, pretty much a powerhouse. That's what I like about her. Is this an exclusive or it's going to be on other consoles as well? That I'm not too sure. I, I didn't see. I'm pretty see. sure it's going to be on everything. I think I think it would be a smart move to, yeah. to put on everything. Ah, that means that we don't, we won't see the Spider-Man we know if he ever appears in the game. Yeah, that's true. I've seen some mock-ups of what they think Spidey would look like in this universe. Interesting. Everything just looks so tactical. Like their version of Captain America looks pretty tactical. Honestly, yeah. Right? God, I, I remember there was so much backlash from those initial photos. Everybody was just shitting on them so much, how they looked. and uh. It's like, hey, mom, can we have some Avengers? No, we have Avengers at home. Avengers, Avengers at home. And then they kept saying that Black Widow looks so mannish. And I was like, ugh. I mean, but this, then, like, in a practical sense, I'd say it makes I mean, sense. I guess, but she had, like, a square jaw. And it was, okay. like, it, it, she looked like all the other guys. <laughs> okay, Basically. fair enough. But then, yeah, in the next trailer, everybody looked better. The, even the, her face model changed a bit, which I actually liked. Mm-hmm. Ah. Responding to the feedback. I like it. But yeah, everything just looks really, really good. So far, it feels like you're playing events from the movie. Like how they interact, 
There's different scenes where the camera pans around and you'll see how different characters are fighting the enemies. So there's one great fight sequence between Taskmaster and Black Widow in the previous, previous trailer, which I really enjoy watching. Ah. Even Taskmaster's suit, oh my goodness. Also, do you know who the main villain is? No. Do you know who Modok is? Okay, okay. Is it AIM? Okay, so AIM it's is aim. involved. All it's right. AIM, yeah, yeah. Real AIM. Ugh. Yeah, real AIM. Proper AIM. Okay, Actual we get Modok. it. <laughs> Iron Man 3 shat on itself. It's okay. Goodness. I really liked Iron Man 3. Though. I like Iron Man 3. I really like hey, I wanted to see a giant floating head. But you know, something that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, um, what do you call it, similarities between is like AIM is using mechs to get rid of Inhumans. Huh, what else have we seen? Yeah, now Marvel has a big problem. <laughs> their, their diversity happens and then like they just kind of repeat story elements. What are they called again? <laughs> Sentinels, yes. Man, but you remember, the, you remember the Sentinels from Days of Future Past, right? Ah. The fucking nightmare fuel. Oh, the were. future ones. The future Sentinels. Jesus. I remember before, before the deaths in Infinity War... That was the most devastating thing to watch. Devastating. They did time travel before Infinity War. Goodness. And oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Endgame. Wait a minute. Time travel? Devastating deaths? What do you know? Stopping something before it happens? Evolves into whatever oh, it is? Oh, my goodness. But yeah, uh, yeah. before that, I remember seeing Halle Berry die messed me up. I was like... Oh, God. That, that... They had so many, like, final battles. They had, like, a couple of them, like... One at the beginning where you didn't know that the that the loops had yeah, that effect, and then yeah. the second one you understood that the loops uh, did that, but then something happens and messes up with that formula, which is a really good writing technique. You know how in the beginning they explain, okay, this is how this system works. They played it over, they played it up again. All right, this is how the system works. You've seen it before. Oh shit! Something's happened to this piece of this key character, and oh no, we might not be able to do this again. This might be the last chance that we have. So. It plays on that um, that repetition where something minute breaks in that cycle, and then you're realizing, oh shit, what's gonna happen now? Uh, so, I don't know. So that was a I digress, but that was just a really interesting writing mechanic that made Days of Future Past like a really good movie for me. Also, the whole the whole concept of Days of Future Past, like the old cast meeting the new cast, just blew my mind. That scene of Patrick Stewart meeting James McAvoy is one of the greatest scenes in any comic book movie i have ever seen i forget that scene actually happens and sometimes i actually go back to it and it it does make me cry blows my mind every time i see it it's fantastic casting james mcavoy it was mind-blowing the piece of advice that he gave to his younger self man man. i watched that and it inspires me and then to any of you guys listening if, if you see if you ever need like a piece of advice from someone or from a movie man on the list of like mind-blowing comic book moments the only thing that i've seen that dc has topped that off with was probably what's it called i mean the flash tv show they've been doing things in the flash in the cw verse that have constantly like been referencing like previous existing comic book works like the whole casting of like 90s flash as barry's dad that's another nod like, they've been consistently good with that. They've been doing so many nods like that throughout the CW. But the most recent thing that's blown my mind was, I think, the last major crisis event where basically Grant Gustin meets Ezra Miller. Because they can do that. Oh they own gosh. all of their characters. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marvel, but 
Yeah, DC oh, kind of gets a win in that so department. so amazing. Goodness, the fact that they just did that. I didn't need to see them fight alongside each other, but the fact that they existed on screen and acknowledged each other's existence was just so comic book. Moments like that can only exist in comic books, where you're familiar with the different versions of a character, and the moment when they meet, it's just it's, it was like Spider-Verse. Yes. Mm -hmm. The only other thing that can top it off... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Spider-Verse did the exact same thing, but then... Flash topped them off with that by having Ezra Miller be, uh, meet what's Grant called, Gustin. Grant Gustin. Yeah. And in my opinion, the only way Marvel can top that off is if they bring back, or if in the next, if, if in the next Spider Verse we have Holland, Tobey Maguire, and, and Andrew Garfield, Andrew, <laughs> and Andrew Garfield like in the same movie. I think that that's the only way it'll top it off. But I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But you got I hopes mean, for Multiverse I mean, of Madness? Craziest stuff has happened. I mean, Raimi's doing another Marvel movie. And because it's Raimi, there's definitely going to be an appearance from Raimi. Bruce Campbell. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I hope Raimi's in this one. And then I mean like... Uh, what if he's still uh, J. Jonah and Jameson? J. Jonah Jameson is... Like, yeah. what, what, is, what, is he, what is he to J. Jonah in the Raimi movies? Raimi, Raimi Spider-Man What movies? do you mean what is he to... Or was that his brother that made a cameo in the yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His brother worked at oh, okay, the Daily yeah. Bugle. I mean, <laughs> come on. What is it? In this universe, in Holland's Spider-Man universe, uh, Jameson, I keep getting this mixed up between this and the Marvel game, but is this, is he a podcast or a web show in web Holland's Web show, they've, they've okay. updated it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's in the Marvel games that he's a podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is so cool. And he's like just constantly talking shit about Spider-Man, which is, yeah, what he does in the in, in, in the, what, the, the recent Spider-Man movie. So like, yeah, coming from playing the game, it just felt so like natural. Like this is the character as how he exists in this modern world. Like now he'd be like one of those shit talking podcasters. It was always like saying Spider-Man's a menace instead of in print now on video. Yeah. You know, just like how people these days, Naughty Dog's a menace. Exactly. Yeah, I want pictures of Naughty Dog breaking the I want pictures of Neil Druckmann <laughs> doing bad things. Oof, everyone hates Neil Druckmann Gosh, right now. Gosh, the amount of hate he's getting. But we are tangenting. Anyway, yes. We are tangenting very, very far Very excited away. for very excited the for Avengers me. by Square Enix. Yes. Yeah, just Plus, yeah, I'm, I'm a really big fan of Square Enix's stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm so... So, Aren't these the same guys behind Final Fantasy? And the same guys who rebooted Tomb Raider. Goodness. And made it that first game. Oh, perfect. yeah, yeah. Perfect. Godfrey and I am very much in love with the rebooted Tomb Raider. It's one of the earliest video games I played. Like, um, like obviously, that's it's up there with Mass Effect for one of the earliest video games I ever played. Mass Effect, Halo, and that new Tomb Raider. I know mm -hmm. it was just released seven years ago, but come on. I got into gaming quite late in my life. By quite late in my life, I mean, like, I was 16 or something. Oh, yeah, that is late. Oh. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Me feel like shit, you <laughs> asshole. Okay, anyway, like we said, oh, I can't wait for Marvel's Avengers. I hope they reference other heroes. Ooh, dude. It's scheduled for release in two months. September wait, 4th, seriously? 2020. Oh, oh, so I feel like it's been overshadowed by... Everything else? Yeah, The Last of Us. And the Last Cyberpunk. of Us Part 2 and all the shit that people will be shitting on The Last of Us Part yeah. 2. Yeah. I'll be honest, I'd rather play... I'd rather put my money up for Avengers... Avengers. Same, same. I hope they mention other heroes. I hope they mention Spidey. I like, want them yeah. to. I want them to because use that. Uh, in the Spider-Man PS4 games, he mentioned so many other like Marvel characters. You get to swing around the Avengers building. 
But you don't get to see any of the Avengers. Yeah, I know, but the fact that he acknowledges things like like out of nowhere, this blind uh, this blind lawyer gives him a business card. Well, I can represent you if I get into trouble. Yeah, I hate you. Yeah, I hate a blind you. Lawyer. Come on. Hmm. They have to do Daredevil right in some medium. And then like they've been shitting on him for years. <laughs> I mean, the last the Netflix three season show that was that was excellent. I'm actually sad that the discontinuing him i thought he'd be oh you're of... sad you're sad even though you haven't seen a single <laughs> fucking episode you fuck i mean some conf- some fucking consistency marvel please god they're not the best at like maintaining things hey this coming from a fan of a universe Gosh. who kept restarting itself over and over again yeah because <laughs> they do it properly oh they do it properly then why do they have to do it so many times you know marvel's done it a bunch of times too okay fuck off <laughs> <laughs> The amount of time Spider-Man's rebooted back to number one issue is ridiculous. <laughs> like I said, we're super excited. Marvel's Avengers and Square Enix and Marvel's Avengers coming out September 4th, 2020. That's about two months from now, yeah? Oh, man, July, August, man. September. No, three months. Three months at least. But yeah, definitely yeah. gonna lean towards that. Let me know when you get it. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. Hopefully. No, I don't think I'll have I a console by then. <laughs> who I'm most excited to play as maybe Black Widow. Because I've seen most of her gameplay stuff, and it felt very uncharted like, which, which I very like, which I very much like. So I'm like, yeah, nice. I don't think I've seen enough uh, gameplay of all, any of the characters. I've seen a bit of Thor's. I like how he can fly. Yeah, but that's about it. Captain America looks pretty good. How he uses his shield. Ooh. He does the whole uh, like he throws it and then it bounces back and he jumps and he kicks it and then hits someone else. And then... Oh God, defying the laws of physics as as per usual. Ah, Steve Evans. Did you just call him Steve Evans? Yeah, isn't his name? Chris Evans. Oh my. Did I just get a mind fuck? And I confused the character with the actor. It happens to the best of us. The last time I did that was kind of like understandable when uh, Eric Banner was playing Bruce Banner. Growing up, I I confused the two. I didn't know which one was the actor and which one was the actual actor. Right? I thought they were like related or something. (laughs) But oh yeah. Uh, One other big piece of news that I forgot to mention... Uh, Rocksteady might be working on a new DC title. Oh yeah, I heard it yeah. might be Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad or some sort of Arkham reboot. Or a, a Justice League game. I'm not sure. Right now it's still rumors, but apparently Rocksteady is busy with something DC. Well, I hope they're busy. They're fantastic. You played Arkham Knight, right? I never got hands, I never finished I never it, got hands on it. I never finished yeah. it, but I played uh, quite a sizable chunk of it. It was really mm. good. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed it, and I wish... Oh, definitely. I would go back. I will, I will go back to finishing the I game. I play enough of... I played the shit out of Asylum and City. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, and, uh, not much. City. City was Ooh. perfect. City was perfect. I like City, but a part of me loves Asylum. Because, I don't know, there's something weird about Asylum. There was like this little... Everything just felt more macabre. Something was creepy about Asylum. There was just dead skeleton bodies everywhere i don't know just something about asylum just felt wrong well it wasn't like, like, asylum like, like in a in a good way like it was just creepier i don't know mm-hmm. i think i love arkham city i think it's a fantastic game don't get me wrong but there was something special about asylum where even the way batman was designed just felt weird at first like i wasn't very much used to how he looked in the asylum games that's true yeah mm-hmm. but i don't know yeah there's just something special about asylum I need to replay it again, but it's just, it was different. It was definitely different from, like, everything that came afterwards. But, yeah, Rockstead is busy with something DC, so I'm very much excited about that. 
We're getting a lot more superhero games, which is like superhero games that aren't based on movies, which is very good. Because before, like in the a couple generation console generations ago, the only superhero games we get were from movie tie-ins. So I'm happy that like independent games about like not based on the movies are being made. No, that's definitely good. It gives the developers freedom to work on their own universes. Without the hassle of having to tie them into an established universe. Jeez, who wants to do that? But yes, we digress. We're super excited for Marvel's Avengers. The next thing that we're really excited about that's coming out in less than a week or so, right? I don't know if you guys have heard of this, if you guys are very big fans of this, but um, so a couple years ago, Daniel and I, we were in uh, Morsbiat's theater production, or variation, of Hamilton. And it was it's one of the coolest musical productions that we've ever done at the Moresby Arts Theater. And you guys should definitely check them out and become members. They're really cool, cool people. This leads me to this next point. On July 3rd, Hamilton is getting a release on Disney+. Plus, Where it's basically... A filming of the entire show on stage, which is incredible. With the original cast. All released, cut together professionally on Disney+, Plus, ready to stream directly to people's homes. Daniel, how excited are you for this? Oh, very much. Oh, I don't know. I feel like, like me, you have this, like, appreciation for it. Like, this weird connection with the production. Where, like, prior to this, they didn't really exist, like, a recording, like, of this, like, high quality of such a nothing like it nothing official like it at least so there was no other way for us to sort of like watch this with the original cast unless we were like went to broadway and watched the original production so which is yeah tickets for those cost like a grand us so i'm actually i'm I'm very excited to see like the original things and i'm like ah it's just i can't say i can't put it into words how happy i am that i'll finally be able to see it okay question what sequence or song are you most excited to see in this format satisfied it's my favorite song i listen to it like just weekly i guess <laughs> ladies and gentlemen like if you if you want, if you guys aren't familiar with um how this song goes about on stage basically picture it's all on stage right so it's all live this setting in front of you that's what theater is but in this song there's like flashbacks you're like, switching from a flashback to the yeah, yeah, yeah it's okay so basically this song is like a reinterpretation of a night or a series of events in someone else's perspective and it starts this by playing the entire last five minutes six minutes of the show in reverse to get back to the point where this character um to see her perspective of the events that would follow next right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's the most interesting thing for me going into this and i really want to see how that's done on stage because they do this and the choreography because basically the choreography for the last five six minutes they had to do high speed in reverse to get that feeling that oh we're going back in time we're going we're going back to this one point but we're going to play this scene now from the perspective of this different character and that to me like walking into this song when when I was um, auditioning and learning about it and uh, when I was going to be in our very own production, this was the biggest thing that drew me into this. It's just like, this is how you level up live 
theater production. The music, the choreography, the set design, everything about this show was, in every meaning of the term, taken to the next level. And to see that this next level, how it is and how it was displayed for people to see when they paid for a ticket, went to see it at the theater, is going to be captured on camera professionally. How they did it, how they were supposed to do it. That is golden. And I have so much hype for this show and for this one song. Actually, two songs, because the song before that is also my favorite song. Which one's that one? Helpless. I can't even remember the sequence of songs. One week later. I mean, I remember, I remember Helpless, but I, <laughs> I, I forget that Helpless comes before Satisfied. Right? Yeah. Helpless is like, it's the same situation, but from yes. two different perspectives, right? Both of those songs work in tandem so well because they're different perspectives about the exact same event. About the exact same, about the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it ends with the wedding and it ends with the wedding as well. And then it just, re- and I was like, rewind, rewind. Ugh. I need to see it. I need oh. to see it July third. July third. The, the only other song I'm excited about uh, seeing is, or just hearing and seeing, is a right hand man. Because when he introduces, I, I can't do this alone. I need someone to lighten the load. Excuse me, I'm Aaron Burr. Blah blah blah. Aha. Close the door. Yeah, yeah. It's a right hand man. Yeah. Oh Some of gosh. the best bars in the whole show belong to Washington. Man, oh, Washington's man. character was just such a powerhouse. Some of the best. I'm, I'm excited to see the um, the Cabin of Battles as well. Oh, the Cabin <laughs> of Battles, man. That's oh, going to be super man. fun. That, that is just going to be amazing. I can't wait. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys have not heard of Hamilton, you can literally stream the entire album on Spotify, which I realize in my haste is not available here. So I'm a dumbass. I'm so sorry. But if you listen to the entire show audio, basically the entire show is on the album because there is not a single yeah. second in the entire show. That's not a musical. That's not a musical. Except, a- except for when uh, when the son dies. That's when that I remember. That's the only time Hamilton like speaks. And it's but not- it's on the recording, right? But he, he just doesn't sing it. Yeah, he doesn't sing it. Yeah. That's the thing about like the entire show is a mu- like a the proper en- musical. In um, yeah. in Hamilton's case, he doesn't sing most of the musical. He raps and speaks through it. Which is really good for my character. Oh man, I was trying to getting, I was kind of getting back into um, the rhythm of singing. Also, yeah, in in the show, um, I played Hamilton and Daniel played Hercules Mulligan. Hey, you wanted to like an off off the cuff no, rap? I don't remember much. <laughs> what's the what's the thing? What's the intro? I remember more of Satisfied than I do of. Oh, Hercules that's true. Mulligan. I remember more of Helpless and Satisfied. <laughs> I swear to God. So, 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 so this is what it feels like to match with, so, to someone at your level, what the hell is the catch? It's the feeling of freedom of seeing the light. It's Ben Franklin with the key in the kite. You see it, right? The conversation lasted two minutes, maybe three minutes. Everything we said in total agreement. It's a dream and it's a bit of a stance. A bit of a posture, it's a bit of a stance. He's a bit of a flirt, but I'm gonna give him a chance. He asked about his, I asked about his family. Did you see his answer? His hands started fidgeting. He, fidgeting. he looked askance. He's penniless. He's flying by the seat of his pants. Handsome boy, does he know it? Peach fuzz and he can't even go with pantsless. <laughs> pantsless boy, does he know Pantsless boy, does he know What the fuck? <laughs> I want to take him far away from this place and that turn into my sister's face and she is Oh man. I can't I can't wait to see it. And then the voices in the in the album are the voices that are gonna be performing it. Oh my god, it's gonna be Perfect. I swear. Oh, one thing I heard about it though. I sent you this message. Oh yeah. <laughs> They're gonna censor the show. 
just a few. I've no, just, they. There's, um, there's a total. How of, sensitive is it gonna? There's be? a total of three fucks in the entire show, uh-huh. and they had to take away two in order to keep it at a PG rating. So if any, like according to the the ratings, if there's more than one use of the word fuck, fuck. they have to give it an R rating, and they don't want to give it an R rating because right. they want everyone to be able to watch this masterpiece. So man, this Lin Manuel literally <laughs> gave two fucks, so then kids could be able to see the show. I don't know which one I'm more excited about now. Goodness. What is it? Cyberpunk, Avengers, or the Hamilton movie? <laughs> but yeah, I guess that uh, brings us to the end of all the in- in- extremely happy news that we have to share. Oh, yeah. We're going to take a left turn. Daniel, you have a lot more to say about this because I'm, I've, I, I literally have no more to say about this than I've already said in my previous edition to Last Fortnight's podcast. So... In the last podcast, uh, we opened up with uh, Godfrey uh, stating our stance on uh, where we stand with regard to gender-based violence. And uh, in the time between that last recording and now, there was another serious case of someone uh, suffering the consequences or suffering from gender-based violence. Uh, I'm not going to go into specifics, but I'll just say that uh, a young girl lost her life to gender-based violence. Which in a case that I found very disturbing because uh, what basically happened to her was very brutal. And like I said, quite disturbing as how she died and how she lost her life. Uh, but from what we understand is that the perpetrator is currently behind, not behind bars, but he's in custody. He's, in, he's being held. And um, yeah, I don't know. Last time I didn't want to say anything because... Uh, me and Godfrey pretty much have the same stance. Like, what he was saying was what I thought, and I didn't feel like repeating myself. But I feel like this with this case, it's just it bothers me too much to stay silent. I feel like the more we learn about this case, or the more details that come out, the more disturbing it gets. Not that I don't want to hear this, but we're learning about the reality that some women live with in the country, and it's it's not good. None of it's good. And uh, the other thing that, that like really hit me about this case is that the, how young this girl was. I'm not going to name names or anything, but dude, she was younger than us. Godfrey and I aren't like, we were like 24, 23. She was, what, 19, 20? She was pretty much born in 2001. So she was much younger than Godfrey and I. And the fact that she was like, she lost her life in this such a brutal manner. And that's the other thing I wanted to state. So, like, growing up in the country, I knew, like, growing up from as a little kid, like, growing up in PNG, I knew GBV was a thing. Like, we all know. That's a disturbing thing about PNG. We all have one relative or or we ourselves have been, like, exposed to some sort of GBV. Like, it's that it's become that normal. But, like, growing up, I, I sort of understood GBV as when a partner uses their hands to inflict damage on their part well, no, yeah, well, on their on their other part on their partner but from what i've learned is that i don't know they don't use their hands from like from even like when we saw from the previous case where where the previous case they use you know objects like using legit like weapons things using objects to hurt other people and it's just i think that's what that's like when it really hit me because growing up i thought oh it's like a husband like 
using his fists to hurt his wife. But no, from what we've learned so far, some people are using objects to hurt their partners. And that was one thing that was brought up with this recent case with this young girl who lost her life. It, she, she wasn't like beaten to death or she didn't, she wasn't punched, fell backwards, hit her head and died. She didn't die like that. Apparently what happened with this young girl is that she was legit like tortured. Objects were used to torture her. And I think that's, learning those details is what's making people also feel very disturbed by this. Where someone was like, you know, torturing another human being, someone that they've had children with. So I guess that's why this case made me want to talk, like, really state my views and that I'm just, I think this is wrong. I've never supported it and I don't support it now. I just, the fact that she lost her life in such a brutal manner is, I think, the saddest thing. But then the, also, the other thing is that some people are rationalizing this as, like, whenever they're saying, like, whenever people are comparing this case to the previous case, they're saying, oh, it's not the same thing because she didn't die. No, it's this, it is the same thing. Because her death came about because of the same issue. Because when you fail to stop the issue, things get worse. And unfortunately, they did. And this young girl lost her life. And one other detail that we learned recently is that she actually... Uh, those uh, those female, uh, what do they call them, refugee centers. She she went to one, and there was one. The head of one of those centers spoke and said that she came to us once, and the most recent uh, visit she had, I think, uh, she had a broken arm or something. It's a very disturbing thing, and uh, Godfrey brought this up where it feels like so. Like in America, you hear about the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's happening there. And the one thing that we both agree on is that it isn't that more cases of GBV are happening. It's basically more cases are being reported and talked about. And that's pretty much what's happening in America as well. Those are the way these black people are losing their lives. It's not because more of it's happening. It's because now it's being recorded. Same here. GBV has always existed, but now people are talking about it more and reporting it more, which is good. But it also highlights how prevalent it is and how normalized it's become in png society and i get it you can say it's been a part of our culture and i get it we've been thrust into the 21st century in the past 200 years and it's a different way of living life but come on i feel like this change is a necessary thing because if you really think about it how can you treat another human being like this especially someone who you've had children with and you claim to you know care about and it's just i don't agree with any of it and I'm scared that things won't change soon enough because I know this isn't like an overnight thing that's going to get fixed, but I hope that now with everything getting exposed, everything should move in the right direction. I hope so. I really hope so. But yeah, that's where I stand with this. Well, I guess Godfrey and I stand with this current case that's come up. And that's it for this first half of this podcast. Uh, We'll be going into a break and we'll be talking about some more topics, uh, some more stuff that's a bit more upbeat than this. But yes, like I said, we just want, I just wanted to uh, give my say on what my perspective on all this has been. Because you didn't hear me in the last videos, in the last section of what, when we talked about this in the last video. So just wanted to give my stance on that. But yes, we'll be right back. Chat, chat, not culture. 
And welcome back to Not Culture. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for sticking around thus far. There was a bit of a low note that we left on before the break, but thanks for listening. Daniel, thank you so much for airing your thoughts on the topic of gender-based violence. I do believe that he speaks for both of us with the opinions he made. And I also believe that a lot of you out there think the same. So we're going to move on to a few lighter topics uh, to take off a final bit of the podcast, I would say. So this was Daniel's uh, topic that he kind of just threw into the ring when he came over today. Daniel, I do believe that you want to speak about social media curation. Now, we've talked about social media in the past. In episode two, I had Isabel Druma come on board and she talked about the kind of things that she would like to see more of on social media. The kind of things that people can post about when we're stuck in something like um, something like this lockdown that who knows we might swing back into again with a couple of new COVID cases that have popped up. Oh yeah, up. quick update. We have our 11th case confirmed. That's true. So because of that, we may or may not be swinging into another lockdown. I don't think it's likely. We've had Commissioner Manning say that then no one's going to go back into a lockdown. I, he thinks that people's health are in their own hands right now. And I really don't know how that's going to play out. Not sure if that's the wisest decision. But I think a lot of people in the country would be glad to not go into another lockdown. Oh, definitely. No, that, the first lockdown definitely messed up a lot of things for people. I know a couple of people who, not necessarily laid off, but like who the companies they were working with sort of limited their, the hours they could spend at work. So for all intents and purposes, they were allowed to work like for two weeks and then, on, and then two weeks off, two weeks on, like something like that. Like I know, I know a couple of people who lost. Not I. I don't want to say lost their jobs, but like because of what's been happening, they've been forced out of a job in a way. But yeah, it, it definitely spoiled a lot of things, messed a lot of things up. I I hope that we don't go into another lockdown. That's gonna just make things even worse. But yeah, I generally feel nobody wants to go back into a lockdown. Yeah. But it's getting a bit scary. As like what our last the tenth case was at announced like last the end of last week or the beginning of this week like fairly recently like 10th case came and then we have an 11th case and they're saying that this 11th case came about because uh this person was in close contact with the individual who had the 10th case so yeah i'm i'm hoping we can contain it because unlike other countries we're quite unprepared for a massive outbreak but i feel confident i mean i hope i mean we've been okay so far we haven't had a big like big outbreak compared to other countries so i don't know just keep your I'd, I'd keep my hopes up and say that we won't i'm hoping that we won't go into another lockdown same same on my end all right but with that aside daniel this was your topic so oh, yeah. i'd like you <clears throat> to start this off social media curation now i think for all our listeners could you just define what that means to you and then i'll jump in and share my definition so uh to me curating means Sort of organizing what's on display, organizing what you're consuming, and just yeah, keeping a very mindful eye and like analyzing what you're doing, what you see on social media and how it affects you. So basically, when I'm talking about social media curation, I mean that basically you taking control of what's in your newsfeed. Believe it or not, you can control what's in your newsfeed. 
You can choose to do this in a number of ways, where basically you construct, not necessarily construct, but you organize your newsfeed in a way that you're seeing the type of content that you want to see. As in the type of posts, posts from the type of people you want to follow and want to keep up with. I mean, I know this for a fact that you don't like every single post of every single person that's following you. And you don't necessarily agree with that whatever people post. Like, you don't agree with what every single person you follow posts or says. So, social media curation to me is basically taking control of that and organizing what you're consuming when you use social media because I guess in these times of you know lockdown and people social distancing we've all been using our phones a lot more often and being on social media a lot more often but that can also lead to just feeling really shitty when you don't want to when you run into things on social media that you don't agree with that just keep putting you down but believe that like i said you can take control of that basically what you can do is you can choose to not necessarily unfriend people who you don't agree with but just unfollow them i mean i'm being really honest even if they're family members and if they're just posting nonsense you can choose to unfollow them you don't have to unfriend them but you don't just like it allows you to not see every little thing that they're ever posting. Because in the long run, I don't know, people just end up sharing the same memes and it gets pretty old and stale and you don't want to be like forcing yourself to react, laugh, even though you saw this meme like three months ago. So you can control what you consume on social media and this goes the same way across everything like on Instagram, on Facebook, especially Facebook. I feel... <laughs> My relationship with Facebook is weird because I only go on there to either post or check notifications. I don't like surfing through. I, I feel personally that surfing through Facebook for me is just a bloody waste of time. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't like seeing everyone's post about everything. But who I do see, I've sort of filtered it out. I guess filtering is the best description I can put for, uh, what's it called? Social media curation, where you're filtering out... The things you don't agree with, the things you don't want to see, and the things you're just tired of seeing, you know, like, and then this allows the sort of algorithm to focus on bringing up things into your feed that you may be more interested in, like in motivational things, people who actually say things that you care about or follow. In these times of being more active on social media, I feel like taking, like doing these things can help like sort of keep you in a healthy mindset. And sometimes, you know, you see people post garbage and they have garbage opinions and you're like, I don't want to see this. You can do something about it. You can unfollow them. You can unfriend them, whatever. You have control over what you see on your newsfeed. It's your newsfeed, so take control of it. Exactly. I really don't think people understand the amount of control they have over what their Facebook and what their Instagram or what their Twitter allows for them to see. People don't really understand that unfollowing people is an option and not liking their stuff is an option. Because, you know, building up on that, people also don't understand how the algorithms for these social media sites work. Right. You see, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever social media you're on, TikTok, Snapchat, they're basically reflections of the things that you like. You know, we there's like I've seen all over social media and meme uh, meme stuff where, yeah. you know, the thing where you can have a conversation with someone about something and then I don't know, your phone's listening in or Google or Facebook's listening in. And then suddenly they show you ads for the product that you're speaking of or something that builds on the product that you're speaking of. Right. It's it, it, it builds up on basically 
the algorithm it predicts what you uh, the things that you like based on the things that you have liked in the past so when you go on facebook especially whatever you click that like on whatever you react on the algorithm is going to take that positively positively and it's just going to spit more of that content in your face exactly yeah so whatever you're seeing on instagram on facebook whatever you see there it's basically a subconscious reflection of the things that you have thrown into the algorithm so if you're complaining about the things that you've seen it's it, it is because you put yourself in that position but the good thing about that is you can remove yourself from that position in the most easiest way there's a really big thing that i love doing whenever i see something on facebook that's just pissing me the hell off whenever something bothers me there's a little option thing at the top or i can click and just say this information this piece of content it it does it's not doing anything to me i don't want to see it so please hide it the algorithm takes into consideration that that you're giving it and then it understands that and it's just not going to show you that piece of information anymore and i think a lot of people need to understand how this works and how they can use it to their advantage for me personally the biggest change that i've seen using this or using my understanding of this was about the end of last year mm-hmm. like Daniel you know that for me personally that was a big change in my life that I started right. end of last year where I realized that I wasn't going in the direction that I wanted to with my life so had to make a big change had to make a lot of big changes so one of the biggest changes that I had to make that basically perpetuated more change was curating my socials biggest thing I I unfollowed a bunch of meme pages because to me personally like I like the good memes in my life but not to a point where I'd open my phone just to scroll and distract myself from things that I should be doing. Right. So in that sense I unfollowed all of the meme pages that weren't really making me uh, in my eyes a better person mm-hmm. and I unfollowed all the people who weren't doing the same thing to my life who weren't helping me build my life. So on my Facebook and on my Instagram the only things and the only people i follow are content creators the people who are making positive things that i enjoy seeing and the the stuff that my friends post because they obviously matter to me and so does their content and i think like i said a lot of people they don't realize that they have this option where they can use social media to block out the things that they just don't want to see the things that aren't helping them grow as people and they can do the same with the content that is actively making them and helping them grow into better people or grow in the direction that they want to go so that's why i think if anyone follows me on my socials personally they'll see that on my stories i always like post up this positive stuff and this happy stuff that you know it just makes me smile and it makes me realize that day in day out i can do a lot more with the choices in every day with a lot more with my life and I guess when it comes to social media curation this is what I'm trying to get across to people that they have a say in what they see on Facebook on Instagram and it's the biggest tool for changing your mindset and changing how you see the world because for something that probably takes up uh, what like 80 to 70% no that doesn't work that way 70 to 80% of how they build or how they have a world view they have a say in what they can see 
that's what I really like about this topic, especially when I started making all of this change, I noticed some really big and positive things happen in my life. Just personally, I, 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 I wanted to make a space in my social media that made me happy every time I opened my Facebook, I opened my Instagram. I wanted to create a place where it made me positive after I put my phone down, but not in the sense where it made me, it distracted me from the things that I had to do, more in a sense where I would open my Facebook and it would give me motivation, it would give me tips, it would give me ways of tackling new problems, and it would give me life hacks. Funnily enough, I think that's one of the biggest ways that uh, I've been using my socials, especially like I see a lot of people shit on TikTok, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So the way I've been using it is whenever I'm on TikTok, I only follow accounts that give me tips on how to use uh, a life hacks on uh, psychology, on technology, on business, on entrepreneurship, stuff like that. It And it it just keeps working on that feedback loop where I say this is what I want. And social media just gives that back to me in buckets. Mm -hmm. And so I've gotten to that point where I can say I'm super happy every time I go onto Facebook and Instagram because I know I'm leaving with a new piece of content that's going to help me drive forward with my goals and with the person that I want to be in the long run. That's my take on social media curation. Oh, definitely. I pretty much have the same, same take here. But yeah, social media is a very powerful thing. I mean, people always say that, but they don't really consider how much it affects you mentally. If you can control what you're consuming, it's like when people say you are what you eat. Well, you are what you see on social media. Exactly. It's the same thing. When people say diet, like you've seen me and how my body has changed since I started going all green and stuff. It's the same thing with what I consume on social media and what I consume on my phone screen or my laptop screen. You take in good stuff, the output that you give will also be good. Yeah, and that's, (laughs) again, we keep saying this, something that I think a lot of people misunderstand with social media. Also, one thing I'd like to point out is that the one thing, I don't think you can do it on Facebook, but on Instagram, one thing I like to do is follow hashtags of like specific things. So I'm not following pages, I'm following the hashtag and it just gives me like so much information about the one thing I want to follow. Like that's how I found out about the possible announcement of a new Ratchet and Clank game. I was following the hashtag of Ratchet and Clank and then it came up. But yeah, I feel like you, you can honestly control what you consume and it can leave you a better person. Fantastic. So I think building up on that, Daniel, let's talk about some of the cool accounts that we love to follow. And I know you started this topic out. You wanted to talk specifically about like YouTube channels, but I want to broaden that topic. Can we can we talk about the things that like the the channels, accounts, Facebook pages, even and Instagram pages that people can follow or that we specifically like following? I don't know. You guys, you might follow this. You might follow some of the things that we follow. You might want to. But uh, this is just. What do we like to follow? Dano, you, you go ahead. What's the first Instagram? I know we're both really big users of Instagram, right? So what's, the, what's an account or, like you said, what's a good hashtag that you really like following? Oh, man. Uh, basically, uh, one hashtag I like. I don't know if this is one, but basically I like to get like memes of specific content I like. I feel like that's one thing people don't understand is that they think a meme is only what how it exists on Facebook. No. 
There's memes about every single creative property you can think of. You simply type hashtag whatever it is and then memes at the end of it and you will find it. It's like specifically catered to the one thing you're interested in. That's why I like using Instagram. But that's how you can use Instagram to find memes about your specific interests. And I guess I don't know what... Mainly because I'm a visual artist and I'm like I'm a digital I'm a digital artist. I mainly follow other digital artists, and Instagram is like the format of Instagram works so well in that regard because when you're scrolling down, it's image first and then the text of what the image is. Where in Facebook, it's the text and then the image. So I think Instagram is it works better for me because I'm seeing the artwork first and then the text or whatever it is is underneath that. But I guess. I don't know. I I wouldn't say what I, who I follow is basically big digital artists, some comic book artists I follow as well. Uh the gaming news stuff like IGN. IGN also has a very good Instagram presence. There's one thing I notice about how they frame their pictures to cater for Instagram. It's all it's like almost all the time a square, but then there's so much design going going into how they frame and like when they're talking about a specific game, they frame it according to how much information there is and whether it's just a screenshot or there's a bit of information there as well. But uh, yeah, I just mainly follow artists. Same on YouTube, I follow a bunch of artists. I've been watching these two uh, African-American dudes named Abba and Preach. They talk a lot about relationships and about how people can be better towards each other. And they analyze basically how some people can be toxic in some situations and how they interact with others how you're supposed to be in a relationship how you should treat people things like that and they they sort of react they react sometimes and deconstruct other youtube videos as well to sort of explain oh they did this very well too or i I don't think i agree with this one so yeah it's a very balanced take on things and another i think yeah another youtube video YouTube channel I've been following recently is this one called Memeology, where basically this is where I get all my news about what's happening overseas that isn't on like the main big networks. Like they, he basically he never speaks in any of the videos. It's just a text and like with this like synthwave background music and always like a synthwave background animation happening, and then he'll talk about oh this is what's happening here, this is the latest that's happening here. Uh, he's been talking about lately. Did you hear about Chaz, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone? Chaz? No, I've never heard about that. So apparently in Seattle, there's a bunch of blocks that the people have taken back and chased out the like. There's no police presence presence there, and so they're running themselves as a closed community, and they're regarding themselves as another nation within the U.S. And Mimology has been following the complete disaster this whole thing has been (laughs) oh gosh how so basically you have people once the police left there was like a rush for power because oh wow there's no police here i can take charge so basically he's been keeping track of all the misconduct everything bad that's been happening how everything's been falling apart people have been shot some people have been killed because there's no police presence to you know police the area there's just the people policing and controlling themselves which obviously didn't work so yeah, it, it, it's sort of like a fresh take and it just it gives you the gist and like the raw information, which I think is like the best sort of news to get. Wow. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's how I've been keeping up with what's been happening with the Black Lives Matter movement and mm-hmm. everything else that's been happening. 
But, uh, well, I got a tip for you if you like scary movies. You can follow this other YouTube channel called Dead Meat, where they have a series called Kill Count, where they basically basically go through an entire movie, and they've done this for whole scary movie franchises, where they'll go throughout an entire movie and record and count all the kills that happen in it. And then they rate the most like exciting kill, and then they'll rate the most like dull kill, and then they'll tally everything up and put it in a nice pie chart just to show you this is how many uh, men or women died in this movie. And yeah, I, I, I honestly... And then throughout the videos, they also say a bit of trivia about the movie that they're kill counting. And yeah, I just really enjoy that series a lot, especially... And it's helped me like build up my horror movie knowledge. And yeah, it, it's a bit of a spoiler, but if you really appreciate it, it sort of gives you background information so you can appreciate the movie more. And it's because of this one show I know a lot about like different scary movies and it's made me want to watch the movies that they've kill counted and yeah i think it makes you like a cheat because you now know all these kills and you didn't even have to watch the movie yeah but and i have this thing where i forget things very easily yeah that is true like i'll watch something and i'll immediately forget about it like the next day so when i watch the movie itself it doesn't like sort of stay in my head so i'll be surprised once i see it again like i'm aware of what's going to happen and the story beats and everything but when i'm watching it like properly watching it it still surprises me but yeah basically who i follow is what i'm interested in so a lot of other digital artists as well mm-hmm. uh there's this other one if you're into comic book art and just critiques of art in general there's this other dude who runs this series called illustrator reacts where he reacts to good and bad artwork in comic books where basically he'll say oh this is what what went wrong over here, and oh, this is what I really like about this picture. So yeah, I've been following a lot of that. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much been my YouTube life consumption as of late. All right, that's a lot of good content to follow, especially, ladies and gentlemen, if you like uh, art, if you like digital art, you can definitely give some of those a follow. Thanks for sharing, Daniel. I think in terms of what I follow, uh, some of the things that, I follow could be similar to yours, but as someone who does a lot of editing and a lot of video work and is obsessed with film and television, I do follow a couple of different accounts. I think IGN is a big one that a lot of uh, that both of us follow and a lot of other people follow. They're kind of like almost the leaders, I would say, in nerd video game culture and movie culture. Oh, so, may I also suggest one for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know who Corridor Digital is, right? They yeah, you've told fun. me about them so many times. So, I still yeah. have yet to. Uh, get so they to have me. this fantastic uh, YouTube series called uh, Corridor Reacts. So Corridor Crew Reacts, where they react to good and bad CGI, good and bad things done in movies, and then they break it down and tell you exactly how it was done, the techniques used, and they're the ones that explain to me how the Mandalorian uses how they film with the screens in the back instead of using green screen. Oh, it's called VFX Artists React. So I think you would definitely be interested in that because it goes into all sorts of filming techniques and stuff. Nice. Well, I'll definitely give it a try. Thanks so much, Daniel. I've actually pulled it up right now just on my YouTube. I'm definitely going to give some of these a watch later on tonight when I have my dinner because I don't watch TV anymore. I just watch I don't. YouTube. I don't watch TV anymore. I rarely ever watch television shows these days. I, they have to be good enough for me to warrant not... To warrant not going for the easy route of opening YouTube and just playing a video. But uh, going back to this, some of the channels I follow, 
like I said, IGN's a really good one. Let Me Explain is one of my favorite YouTube accounts. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, really fantastic stuff. Basically, breaks down movies. Um, there's spoilers in some of them. A lot of them actually. But he but, warns you. He tells you it, when yeah, they're coming yeah. up. The yeah. guy tells you out. Um, tells you straight up if he's if he's spoiling something. But it basically breaks down what a movie does and whether or not it does it well. It's I wouldn't say these are. This it's a review channel. It's kind of just like breaking down a movie and telling you what happens and and in like to its core themes. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it brings up that, and it basically gives you an idea of if this is something you'd like to watch, which I'm a very big believer in. I, I don't think giving things review scores kind of puts in the correct perspective for a lot yeah. of people, especially like these days when reviews are extremely, extremely subjective. I like I like the kind of reviews that say that oh, if you like this type of game, then you'll probably like this like those type of exactly like, yeah those type of suggestions yeah that's kind of like the review system i'm going with with my uh youtube channel or with our youtube channel reviews we kind of don't like giving things set scores but we kind of give a sense of what the game is like and if you liked this other game then you should give this a try because I think that works a lot better to people than rather giving it a flat-out score and saying this is a bad game or this is a good game. Because I think if the release of The Last of Us Part Two has proved anything is that a lot of people have a lot of polarizing opinions on whether something is considered good or is a dumpster trash of fire. I say with air quotes. So yeah, Let Me Explain is a really good YouTube channel. Uh, Marquez Brown Lee, obviously, <laughs> I think, with the entire YouTube community following him. Oh, yeah, Gold standard of yes. tech reviews, I swear. I swear, I just hope I am a fraction of how good this guy is one day. One day. But then again, I, I've start, only started my YouTube like last year, so. We'll see where mine goes. Anxious Coconut, give me a follow. Uh, also, I follow this guy called Jeff Nippard. <laughs> I like saying his last name, Nippard. But he's so cool. Um, I, I recently followed this guy. Basically, he's a bodybuilder, but he gives scientific explanations backed by tons and tons and tons of research papers about the best ways to uh, exercise your body to get results. I, I like how he approaches it through a hard, fact-based, scientific method. Where he basically... Uh, whatever he's doing, and especially like if you're trying to build a certain part of your body, he will show you the scientifically proven ways with data on how to do so. That's a channel I've been using to help build my body because that's something I really, really want to head into, especially with the body goals that I have right now. Uh, someone else who I also follow, his name is Karsten Runquist. He basically does these really, really cool video essays about... Uh, movies and television oh man there's so many good especially video essays on youtube yeah i i absolutely love watching video essays about anything at all on youtube i swear to god on video games pop culture books um movies television shows this guy carson runquist he does he takes a very subjective look at a lot of uh videos and a lot of well like a lot of content and I don't know. To me, most of his content just clicks, and it's it's really entertaining to watch. They're very simple videos, I would say, but he's got a personality, and it's 
just real fun to watch. Also playing on that motif with reviews of video games and TV shows. Uh, Daniel, I think this is one of your favorite YouTube accounts as well. It's called Wisecrack. Uh, where yeah. these guys, they analyze the living shit out of any book, any TV show, any any movie. Thug to the notes. point where, I swear, like Thug Notes, that's something that like you tell me. You told me back in high school that this is something that you use to gain a better understanding. There's this like really buff black guy who is going through, who's, who's read books and gives you like breakdowns colloquially to, uh, that anyone can understand. In like the simplest form. And then he tells you the themes, everybody involved, what happens to the characters, what they learn. And then, and then after that, after, telling, after going through the plot, he tells you the themes. And he analyzes it. He analyzes it in the most dead simplest way and it makes anyone interested in any book that you're going through like if there's audience out there listening who are currently in high school first of all i'm so sorry for the amount of f-bombs we've dropped second of all please give these guys a watch because the content they make is absolutely fantastic and it helps you give a better understanding of the movie show movies shows and video games and books that you're really into but I think more so than that, it helps you understand why you like these things. And it gives you this sort of extrapolation uh, and understanding of the things that you might be interested in. It just puts into context a lot of the things that you like. And that's something that I really am thankful for uh, like finding out on YouTube. Also, just one more massive shout out to another channel that I follow that's somewhat in the same vein, specifically for movies and TV shows. It's called Lessons from the Screenplay. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know you know yeah, this guy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is absolutely fantastic. And it it basically it gives an emphasis on, well, obviously, screenplays to movies and TV shows. And it always opens up with a sort of theme or a motif that this specific IP or this property does really, really well. And it's done so many. It's done, uh, it's done screenplay looks on a bunch of my favorite TV shows and movies. Actually, quite recently, the guy did an analysis on storytelling in video games using The Last of Us, and with an interview from Neil Druckmann. Ugh. That was a re- shut up, Daniel. <laughs> that was such a really, really interesting look into probably one of the biggest video games of last decade that really forced players and viewers to take a serious look into how video games can be legitimate storytellers and how they can tell stories suited for interactive and cinematic storytelling so i guess those are some of my really 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 favorite youtube channels i think i have a couple more suggestions now you just made me remember everything daniel you have have more i'll I'll try to make this quick fire um uh so there's another uh video essay guy who i love a lot uh, is an Irish dude named uh, Super Eyepatch Wolf. He mainly talks about video games and anime. So if you're an anime fan like me and a video game fan, you'll definitely appreciate his videos. Another person is another Irishman named Ryan Hollinger. Another Irish dude. His stuff is more along the lines of movies, but similar stuff. Very good analysis of movies. Uh, who else? There's this other dude who specializes in video game documentaries. His name, uh, well, I don't know, I can't remember his name, but the name of the channel is No Clip. No Clip. Ooh, yeah, sounds try, try mysterious and ominous. These videos are long. He has a fantastic documentary about Half Life. It's like two hours long. 
Wow. And it basically goes into depth about how influential Half-Life really was. You know uh, Counter-Strike, the game Mm Counter-Strike? It's a modded Half-Life. I am not surprised. (laughs) Wow. And it changed things. But yeah, yeah, he has a fantastic video about Counter-Strike. So many other topics. He does this nice, this lovely two-part interview with, uh, what's it called, CD Projekt Red. (gasps) Okay, I'm down. I'm down. No clip, right? No clip, yeah. And uh, some some fantastic uh, interviews with uh, the id Software guys talking about Doom, Doom Eternal, so yeah. But yeah, just when you're on YouTube, be aware that there's a lot of good content out there. That's what we're trying to say here. There's a lot of interesting things that that are catered to you, like your specific interests. Just look it up. YouTube isn't just a place to find funny skits and entertaining videos. There's a lot of interesting and educational, like things there so much educational stuff and just a disclaimer we understand that not everyone has the data or the internet speeds to access these things but we're not saying that you should be watching this stuff 24 7 we understand that you know the easy stuff the fun stuff the kind of distracting brainless stuff that's easy to consume because it's short it's not in the best quality and it's always the easiest to download and watch and share but Guys, this is all in your hands. If if you're really serious about serious about the content that you want to be processing personally, put a little more effort into the things that you have complete power over. Just put a little tiny bit more effort into watching the things that you know will do you better in the long run and you really won't regret it. As I think two people who have gotten to the point in their life, whoa, we can say that uh, like we're really that fucking old. But I think I, two people who are starting to see how powerful social media can be and how powerful something like YouTube can be is that once you pick and choose the content that you want to consume, you'll become a better person. I know that seems a little heavy-handed and kind of pretentious, but I'll let you guys be the judge of that. That's just our two cents on the topic. Um, before we head out with this topic. Daniel, you want to touch a bit on some of the Facebook pages, Instagram pages that you like to follow that you would cite as really good inspiration art-wise? And I know you're kind of getting into the business realm with a lot of your artwork. Yeah, yeah what what if, what are the things that you've been following that have helped you, motivated you, and disciplined you in this area? Ooh, I don't know about Facebook-wise. I guess Facebook-wise... I mainly follow other digital artists as well. Big shout out to Chan. He's one of the biggest, he's probably the biggest digital artist in the country right now. And I see him as a very big inspiration. He gave me a shout out earlier in the year with a bit of a showcase interview with some of my art as well. But yeah, I see him as like an example of what digital artists in the country can be and what we can reach and become in, within the country. And I believe it's a growing industry. Because everything is coming online more and, you know, businesses will want more creative ways of advertising their services. And one way of doing that is engaging with people who are creative digitally. We have, uh, with uh, uh, video editors like what Godfrey does here or with what I do with like digital artwork and what Chan does. And basically, I remember I saw his stuff being projected on the Parliament House. That was insane. I was like, wow, this is something that digital artists can do. Big shout out to 6811 Media for doing that. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Goodness. You guys are awesome. We all saw that, and I think we kind of just did backflips in our heads. Yeah. 
I feel like, yeah, when I saw that, I realized this is what I can do with my stuff like this. And this is what I'm passionate about. So, yeah, I feel like, yeah, people like him, other digital artists, other creators in my medium, people that do do what I do. Uh, I guess that's all for Facebook, but mainly Instagram, same thing. I follow other creators. There's so many creators on Instagram. Like, if you type down hashtag comic art, the rabbit hole it takes you down is insane. You'll see, like, professional-looking art and then people who are just starting out. And it's quite, it's quite inspirational seeing people who understandably aren't, like, in the most professional skill set with where they are like within their skills of drawing but they're still putting giving in the effort to like create stories and do comic book art and that's what basically what inspired me the most to do my stuff and yeah i've learned a lot about it and yeah i follow a lot a lot of digital artists and they they've gone through similar experiences i am and sometimes they post very lengthy but very inspirational quotes on their pages People like I've stated I stated this in in the interview I did with Chan with uh, people like Patrick Brown who was a digital artist who did lots of fan art like tons and tons so I I think I I love his fan art from back in the day I remember being in like grade twelve and grade eleven and really enjoying his GTA fan art and different characters from different games interacting but from doing fan art alone he got so big and so popular that now he's working officially with Marvel doing like custom posters and designs he 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 helped do some promotional art for spider-verse so yeah now now his instagram is like official stuff like marvel characters so yeah and it's just very inspiring that i was following this guy when he was only doing fan art now he's being paid by marvel to draw marvel characters so people like that and then yeah i follow like actual comic book artists guys who have been in the industry for years like jim lee and some other really, really fantastic comic book artists. But yeah, I, I, and also uh, some, the, the art YouTubers I also follow have Instagram pages as well. So their content, it mixes well together where everything they're giving you is all inspirational and it's all like, like very educational and it helps you like get to where your art goal is. And I, yeah, that's basically the type of people I follow. But Instagram wise, yeah, just comic book artists uh for those of you who want to get started on art there's oh there's this one dude who does very funny like very like nice critiques of other artists but he he shits on them but like in a joking way like you can tell he's not being serious about the mean things he's saying but ah, i forget his name but he basically he goes in depth about how other people do their art and then he tells you, oh, this is what they did here. And he has experience of like five years working in the animation industry. And I've, I've learned a lot from getting stuff done quick as quickly as possible from him. Like techniques to use and the importance of using reference images. And how it's better to take reference videos and taking screenshots from those videos than it is to take reference photos. Because in videos, people are in motion. But with photos, you're like posing and saying cheese and like you have to maintain that stance but in a video if it's a good frame rate you can pause it at the exact right moment and capture the momentum and energy in a pose and draw it how it is i forget his name it's really bothering me now well that's useless now what am i gonna link to in the show notes <laughs> i'll probably bring it up on, on a later podcast. yeah just let me know yeah yeah, yeah yeah i'll just just send me a voice note and i'll edit it in really badly okay i'll try my best well, that's fantastic. Any any other names you want to shout out to? Any other inspirational sources? Because I, I, it's like on my end, I don't really have that many. I honestly follow 
way too many um, cute otters on Instagram and business tips and little um, tidbits of information that will help Oh, that's me. good, too. Yeah, I, I, not everything on my Instagram feed is art-related. Sometimes I follow specific things that I know are going to get me in a good mood. And that's the point, right? You want to follow people on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter that will make you feel good. Yeah. You want to open these applications so then you could be in a good headspace and not be distracted from something that you should be doing and not be put in a bad mood. Like the occasional insta ho, you know, just those, you know, those random pretty girls on Instagram that don't really do anything. Just they just take like selfies. I don't know. To me, that <laughs> for some reason it just it just makes me smile. I'm like, okay, like I can. I mean, I'm happy about it. They seem happy about it, and. It's cool to look at for a bit, but I don't want to see that all the time. Also, from a, like an artistic point of view, like that's objectively what a pretty girl looks like. So I'm like, I'm also mentally taking notes about, oh, this is what she's doing. There's some experts on how to take photos, how to take selfies on Instagram. The professionalism in these, you'll think that they're just some pretty girls taking like photos of their cleavage. No, there's some like real thought being put into these pictures. Capital thought. Like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> my bad. Go on, go on. But yeah, there's 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 quite a skill in making yourself look good on Instagram, like the way these girls do it. And I sort of use those to teach myself how to frame things, what a pretty girl looks like, what's I guess in fashion now. That's basically like if I'm trying to draw a female character who's in like up to date with like fashion wise, I sort of look at them to see, oh, this is what's trending now. So it would be like this is the best thing to draw right now. So yeah, the occasional insta is not bad. I mean, I used a lot of insta so... Ew. I mean, to study. <clears throat> Research material? Thank you, yeah. Daniel. Alright, that's fantastic. I think that wraps up some of the, or most of our favorite social media places to go to and to just further yourself and your skills. Thanks so much, Daniel. That was a really good topic. I'm so proud of you. I feel, I feel accomplished. <laughs> nice alright so to end off the podcast we're just gonna have a really 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 quick conversation because geez it's like 20 past 5 now and Daniel has to go home because he has to walk through the mean streets of Moresby in order to get to Waigani on a Sunday on all a Sunday. by myself all by yourself or he could just ask his brother to come pick him up oh yeah <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway uh, Daniel I think you took up a bunch of oh, what the f- that's a rat it's a rat it's running around. Did it steal my garlic? No, my garlic's okay. My garlic is okay. And my Milo is okay. Yeah, that's what matters. Garlic and Milo. Um, moving on. Well, I think I'll just um, start off this, this bit of the podcast. Yeah. What have I been doing or what have I been up to for the past two weeks? Well, I finally finished, after three years, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Finally. That was a good game. That was a seriously tough game, but it was so good to finally finish and get off my chest. Really, really good turn-based strategy. I enjoyed how difficult the game was and how funny the writing is. I know I said most of this stuff last week, but I think this is just a refresher. And to let you guys know that um, I'll be releasing my review and thoughts of the game pretty soon. So... Stay tuned to Anxious Coconut on Facebook or YouTube to just see that if you guys are interested in turn-based strategy games or Nintendo Switch games. Um, Apart from that, I've honestly just been consuming a lot, a lot, a lot of YouTube for the past two weeks because 
Man, I don't know about you, Daniel. This this couple of weeks, it was extremely busy for me. Um, good news on my freelancing and video work, I guess. But man, getting into that, oh, it's kind of restricting how much free time I have at night. Especially because I usually watch my TV shows and movies and stuff like that while I'm eating dinner. Because that's usually the only free time I have in the day. But these days, um, I don't have as much time as I used to. So turning to YouTube to watch like a 10-minute video essay about something that I'm really passionate about is more rewarding than watching a 20 to 40-minute episode of a TV show or, or an yeah. hour movie just same. to get that uh, same feeling. Minus the feeling where I kind of feel guilty when I do that because I think I'm distracting myself from some work that I should be doing. But yeah, turning to YouTube has been a lot more time conscious and more rewarding for me. Apart from that, man, I haven't been doing much. Uh, last two weeks, it's not been exciting for me. Just been busy AF. And you? Oh, yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, so for those of you who uh, probably not know, I've been working on like making comics and the production of like web comics and there's a lot of thought that goes into these things like framing of characters, where their speech bubbles are going to be, what type of borders you want to use, what colors you're using just to like convey tone. But yeah, I've been working on those and ever since I was like a kid, I noticed that whenever I start drawing, it's as if I'm traveling through time to like four hours into the future when I'm done. So these past two weeks have gone by kind of quickly for me because I've been working on the comics and I I realized that I can spend like two hours just coloring a shirt and by the time I'm done I'm like ah it's already like twelve o'clock in the night and then it's just but yeah my weeks my weeks have been going by really quickly and I I share the same sentiment with Godfrey that must be some really detailed shirt uh, (laughs) 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 sorry continue continue but yeah I, I share the same sentiment with Godfrey where when I'm eating I watch like content that I like from YouTube like video essays or things that I want to listen to just to brush up or remind myself about like sometimes art videos 10 minute art tutorials things like that uh but yeah I've just been really busy with the digital art and I'm trying to get my comic book my understanding of comic books because writing comic books or getting into writing a comic book is very different from writing a novel where with a novel you're describing the environment through text and words but through a comic book you're using the images to describe text and words the only writing that ever happens is when the characters are talking to each other right it's that element of world building that's presented differently between the two mediums like um i I like reading fantasy novels and sci-fi novels and the way they build their world is by blocks and paragraphs of text describing how this world works but in a comic book all of that is done visually and through an art style and the only thing that's conveyed through uh, it, through text is usually like the dialogue that's happening or what else kind of like help me out here oh yeah the, the environment and stuff like that but one thing I want to say is that if you're like you if you want to work on a project but you feel like oh I'm not ready yet or I'm not there yet just get started oh my god make fuck something yes. now one of my favorite examples that I learned of, I mean I knew about this example for years but Right now, I'm truly inspired by it. Is the have you ever seen? Okay, we, we, you're connected on the internet right now, right? Yep. Okay, pull up original One Punch Man comics. Oh, so yeah. the guy that wrote One Punch Man, he was not a good artist. <laughs> Sorry, I just seen this. <laughs> he was not wow. a good artist, and he knew that he was not a good artist. But some he, of these 
some of these really don't look that great. And he wanted, but he wanted to tell his story. So basically, what happened is he basically showed his skills in character development and character writing. Even though he wasn't the best artist around, he got enough popularity that one of the one of a more skilled manga artist said, "Hey, bro, uh, let's do this all over again, but this time I'll do the art." And then the the show that you see now, One Punch Man, that's based on that art. But just know that the original creator of One Punch Man did everything himself with, like, he wasn't the best artist, but he was still giving it his best shot. And he wanted to tell the story that he, well, wanted to tell. Man, that is inspirational as fuck. And I think a lot of people in the early stages of their artwork can relate to that. That's where a lot of people want to be. A lot of, where a lot of storytellers and where a lot of amateur people want to be i think people gotta understand that in order to be a pro you gotta be an amateur first right exactly and if you keep saying oh i'll I'll do it when i'm at this skill level how will you know when you're at that skill level because when you're improving your art there's always room for improvement so you're always pushing that border even more and more so just get started it doesn't matter how bad it looks start and then you'll learn and keep doing it and you'll learn even more exactly some solid gold right there, Daniel. Thank you so much for sharing that. Man, so to wrap up, I think neither of neither of us had the most interesting last two weeks. True, just busy. That's true, that's true. But ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say, I think today's conversation, the topics that we went through were really, really good. And if you guys listening uh, agree to that, just throw us some topics some way. Uh, throw us some topics some way. Throw us some of the topics that you want to hear us talk about. And if there's anyone who wants to jump onto the podcast, please, I, I'd like to have a conversation with anyone about anything, honestly. Because we started this thing just to help us uh, sharpen our conversation skills and kind of act as a, a catharsis to get some of the things out of our heads and into a general audience to listen to. And that's you guys. And if you can relate to that, let us know. Let me know on uh, Twitter or Instagram, Anxious Coconut, or you can contact Dan on Instagram and not Twitter. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I had to <laughs> at KilmongaDan117. It wasn't meant to be. But, ladies and gentlemen, this brings us to the end of another episode of Not Culture. Thank you so much for listening. Not Culture is hosted and recorded by Daniel Levi and Godfreeman Captigal, myself. It's also edited by myself, and our music is created by the Clueless Panda. We've got new episodes out every fortnight because that's when our day jobs can pay us and I can afford the internet to upload. But I hope you enjoyed this one. Daniel, you want to sign off with me? Uh, how? Oh, Jesus, what are we saying again? You do the sign off all the time, <laughs> so I don't know what to say. Folks, thanks so much for listening. I'll see you all next fortnight. Thanks so much for listening. Kitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, even I felt that. Uh, yuck. Uh, just, just, uh, bye. See you next time. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Not culture. <laughs>